difficult. And it's even more difficult if you're the one trying to make change happen. But as more organizations start modernizing their software development workflows, like going from story points to cycle time, change is something we need to learn how to implement. That's where Dominica de Grandis comes in. As the chief flow advisor at TaskTop and author of Making Work Visible, Dominica has been helping teams make big changes for decades. And now she is joining us on Dev Interrupted to explain the steps we can take to start making a change inside our organizations today. This episode is sponsored by Linear B. Give your dev team the power to improve with team-based metrics, high-risk code alerts, and the world's first project board based on real-time Git activity. Sign up free at LinearB.io. Dominica, thanks for joining us today. Ah, Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. What I know about you, and I think many people probably know about you, is you are one of the earliest pioneers of engineering metrics and kind of team experimentation. This is a subject that is really near and dear to our hearts and our mission at Linear B, but for anyone who hasn't read about Flow before, can you explain what Flow is and some of the top-level metrics for Flow and how they came to be? Yeah, you bet. Uh, so Flow is the movement and delivery of customer value through a process. And in knowledge work, I mean, the reason that we're here is to you know, deliver customer value. So that's why... Our process is typically oriented and optimized for flow, right? And um, typically, it's discussed in terms of value stream management, all the activities that occur to get this customer value through the value stream starts with a customer, ends with a customer. And that's why some of the metrics around flow are related to what customers might grumble about, right? Like how long things take. Where's my thing? I've been waiting forever for this. So in that, we're going to measure flow time, uh, probably more commonly heard of as lead time or cycle time to many people. We want to measure, I mean, the, the, the three key metrics are flow are going to be out of Little's Law, and that's going to be cycle time, you know, your flow time, your queue length, your work in progress, in your throughput. We call that flow velocity at task top. And so Little's Law is a relationship of averages between those three metrics that are so key. Uh, in addition to that, we also consider flow efficiency because we want to know where does work get stuck on its way? Where does work sit idle? Where are the bottlenecks? How efficient are we at doing our work? And then um, the other flow metric that I think is critical is flow distribution. And this is the ratio of the types of work that are being done. So, um, you know, one of the common problems in IT often is that work is prioritized by business people, by product owners upstream, and they're inclined to approve feature-driven work. It's like we then get into a feature factory. And this important uh, work that would be like revenue protection work, 
the fixing technical debt, the keeping the lights on, the security work, all this you know, revenue protection kind of work tends to take up on the back burner. So flow distribution brings visibility to what's the nature of the work that we're doing and what does a healthy value stream look like? And it's not going to just be 100% features, right? We need to be able to be improving our technical debt. We need to work on bugs and defects too. And we need to pay attention to security. Well, yeah, I'm actually really happy, for example, that you mentioned flow distribution, um, sometimes at Linear B, we'll call that the team's investment profile, which is, you know, measuring how much effort or emphasis we're putting on those different types of work. And what I've seen is when engineering organizations are actually able to invest in things like technical debt and not only work on feature work, your cycle time or the team's cycle time actually has a chance to improve which is one of the reasons I'm, you know, a pretty big proponent of more team-based metrics as opposed to like individual metrics. Um, but kind of on the flip side, you know, what I've seen, you brought up kind of human behavior is that change can also be hard. And I don't think, you know, anyone's going to kind of debate that, you know, if you're doing one thing for five years or 10 years, and now, you know, we want to come into an engineering organization and increase our flow, get more value out to customers faster. Um, and we may need to change in order to do that. That's going to be really hard. And I know that for you, you know, you have worked with a lot of organizations and kind of helped them probably overcome some of this institutionalization, whatever's kind of ingrained in them. And I'm really curious to ask you, in your experience, what is the easiest way to overcome kind of that resistance to change? I do think that experimentation is key. That's what we, that's what I usually work on is help teams design experiments because experiments, so by their very nature, they're prone to failure. And so there's, there's not this expectation that this thing you're trying to attempt for the first time is going to turn out perfect. You know, whatever the result is, you're going to learn from it. And whether you have to amplify what you're doing or dampen what you're doing, it's going to help improve decision-making so we like to advocate for people to um, come up with short experiments that they can do to um, see what the impacts are going to be and then have that get some feedback and then get to the next experiment. It's just like continuous experimentation. You know, I think the thing that's nice about experimentation is that maybe – something that is driving a fear of change is the fear of failure. At least for me, sometimes it's like, okay, you know, maybe I even want to, you know, try something new at my company at Linear B, but what if it messes everything up and we fail? What you're saying is with experimentation, you know, it is okay to fail. Um, What I'd like to hone in uh, with you is how do you, actually start that experimentation process is there a specific exercise that you've run with development teams before to kind of kick it off um 
Yeah, so I I do quite a lot of workshops on flow and value stream management. Every workshop I do, I started out with what we call uh, demand analysis. Essentially, it's understanding what the team pain is and the business pain. With team pain, we ask people, what prevents you from getting your work done? What randomizes your day? Teams have absolutely no problem engaging with that question. They'll come up with very long lists of what prevents them from getting their work done. Things like conflicting priorities, invisible dependencies, um, too many meetings, uh, the right people aren't available when we need them to be, you know, on and on and on. And then we flip that question around and ask, well, what are your customers grumbling about? The people who ask you to do things internally, not necessarily your external customers, but what are they not so happy about? Often, this is usually a shorter list unless the customers are on the call too, but these responses, almost every time I've done this, the result is that A, things take too long, and B, there's no visibility. Like, where's my thing? Like, I asked you for this thing three months ago. Where is it? And it turns out that often these, the team pain and the customer pain is a mirror of each other. If people are grumbling about how long things take, okay, well, how long do they actually take? Let's start measuring flow time. <laughs> and is it because our stories are too big, right? It's, it's likely because of some of the things that the, team, the teams themselves are saying are preventing them from getting their work done. I love that, actually, because, you know, it kind of leads to another thing that I have on my mind around actually getting the buy-in to make a change. So, you know, I have been on teams before, not necessarily, you know, working with a professional like you, but been on an individual team and maybe doing a retrospective and developers will speak up and say, Hey, like I'm getting interrupted during the sprint or I'm, you know, getting pulled for support issues and I can't actually work on the feature. Um, but then there's not, you know, necessarily enough buy-in from the higher ups to actually, you know, make a change or get the resources needed to make a change or get that buy-in to make a change. So I wanted to kind of ask you uh, point blank, can you talk a little bit about how to get that buy-in uh, from leadership? And, you know, when is it a good idea to actually bring the customer maybe into the process? I call that finding a coalition of the willing. If you, if you were to step in a room with all managers and try and get buy-in, like that's a fat chance, right? When's the last time you got 15 people to agree on anything? But usually there's one person in an organ in a large we mostly work with enterprise organizations. Usually there's, you know, one manager, one leader in there who may have a background on lean, who sort of gets it, and they might be willing to experiment with you, especially if it's going to help them with one of their pain points. So I think it's really listening to your customer, understanding what they're grumbling about, 
and coming up with um, small, you know, very small experiments, little by little at a time. So, you know, back in the day, so I used to be a build engineer. I spent the bulk of my earlier career doing configuration management and automation and release um, pipeline kind of stuff. And developers would grumble that th- builds take too long, which I was like, oh, take it all personally, <laughs> that builds take too long. And I just, I, it took me a while to finally get it, but I need to stop taking that personally, right? It's, it's not against me. It's, I need to really, I needed to listen to the engineering team. And instead of blaming it on, we didn't have test um, automation, right? What could we do to get the latest build in their hands faster? So doing that, now it's a win-win for everybody, right? Your customers have a little bit more faith in what you're going to be doing instead of considering your team as sort of like the loser team, right? So it's um, a little bit of, I don't know, putting the ego in the closet, listening to the customer, acknowledging the part that you play in it. And then, um, and then working with the customer to design some experiments that are going to make them happy, thus by getting their buy-in. And it may not be your boss or your boss's boss, but if you don't have anybody in your company that gets this kind of thing, then um, that, <laughs> well, I would say that's kind of a signal but you, it's got to start somewhere. So maybe, maybe that, maybe you're the voice of reason inside your company and you can get support outside within the DevOps community to embark on these kinds of journey. It's a journey. Got to start somewhere. Well, you know, one thing that I do know about leadership teams is oftentimes the customer is a central topic of conversation. So any time that you can relate a metric back to a customer pain point, I've seen that go very well. So for example, if you're talking about lead time or you're talking about cycle time, just mentioning, oh, by the way, this metric is important because it has to do with getting our customers new value I hear, you know, I can see like brains light up and ears open up on leadership team. Oh, you talked about the customer. Now I'm more interested in this metric that before maybe I wasn't as interested in. And now the other side of that, something that I've seen a way to gain trust and kind of get buy-in is to increase visibility. So one of the missions of my company, Linear B, is actually to bring that visibility to engineering teams, show the cycle time, show the whip, show how much change is coming in within a sprint so that that data uh, can be visualized and say, hey, we actually do have a real problem here. I can show it to you. But I can also show that if we do something about this problem, we can improve together and make the customer's life better. 
Now, I know that, you know, you're also a big proponent of, you know, work visibility. You wrote the book on it. Um, can you talk about maybe some of the best steps a team can take to improve visibility and therefore overall performance? Yeah, I spent a lot of time doing that. Um, making work visible is probably the most fundamental thing that teams can do to improve their performance. But what we find often is that the tool sets, um, the way that they've been designed or set up are limited. Like you might just have to do doing done. <laughs> That's not going to be sufficient enough to see where work gets stuck, right? That, that doing view needs to be expanded so you can see all these activities and handoffs that occur along the value stream. You want to show evidence of where work is sitting idle, right? Because that's where your bottleneck is. That's where you need to bring people um, attention so that they can start to improve their flow. And not think that their bottleneck is just in doing and development and that they need to go hire more developers. It's much more likely that you need to go hire more designers, probably. And I'm not saying that hiring people is the answer, to improve your flow, um, but making it visible and understanding where those bottlenecks are and how long work is sitting and what the issues are with the handoffs and why there are so many handoffs will provoke necessary conversations for change. Yes, I you know really appreciate that you brought up the point of there's a big difference of just saying, well, our bottleneck is when work is in progress. Um, a lot of project management tools, you know, kind of just will tell you, well, the work's in progress and that's the thing that's taking the longest amount of time. Well, of course, dummy, that's probably, you know, kind of the thing that is taking the longest amount of time. But where is it actually stuck? Are developers waiting for a pull request to get reviewed? Um, do we have an issue going from the work is done to actually deploying into production? Do we have an issue that work starts, but most of the time after work starts, those people get pulled off onto an, another uh, project? That's All of that is really, really different than just in progress. And so one of the things that we've been uh, doing at Linear B is trying to incorporate some of those more detailed discussions and visualize some of those more detailed pieces of information like pull requests being stuck into ceremonies or routines. So for example, you know, at a daily standup, let's talk about what work is stuck instead of talking about just what we accomplished yesterday, for example. <laughs> it drives me nuts to, you know, you go around the room or you go around the table and people say, sometimes reluctantly, you know, what they're doing or what they did yesterday. When that time is so valuable, let's look at where things are stuck and try to yeah. unstuck you. You know, what do we need to move past this issue is 
And if you're making your work visible, you shouldn't have to ask everybody what they're working on because then they can just go look in, at your board or your t or in your tool set to see what you're working on, who's working on what, and where it's at. Yeah, I mean, you'll just save time right there without that status update if you can just everyone has the same type of visibility. Now we can talk about the things uh, that really uh, matter. You know, you don't need a lot of rules, but maybe one of the rules could be are, you know, update your tools before your stand up. Like at least once a day, make sure it's in the right state. You've got your comments in there. You've got your flagged field set to blocked or whatever it needs to be set to so that visually people can, the team can go and see the most accurate uh, work that's reflected in their tool set at that time during the standup. That's perfect. And, and, and I love that. That will just save, you know, everybody time. Um, kind of the last topic that I wanted to touch on a little bit here. And I think it does have to do with some of that visibility and maybe getting, you know, some of the stuck work into routines but one of the challenges that I've seen is, let's say that you run an experiment and it was pretty successful and you do get the buy-in, okay, like keep doing that thing that you did to improve your cycle time. Still, I'll see teams then kind of drop off and not be able to continue the new thing that they want to do. Um, do you have any advice for our team leaders or engineering leaders who are trying to really make a change stick over time? Um, creating formats, forums to do that work consistently and to review it consistently so that you have a way to, you know, not forget, right? Find a way to enable teams to habitually, you know, continue to review their experiments, to do their experiments, um, and um, until it sticks, you know, needs to be at least monthly. I think where you're doing some kind of an ops review, so you're you're reviewing your experiments, and and now that with COVID and everything, and and things are so remote, maybe even not wait that long. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think like as you're, I don't know. Yeah. Probably maybe 40 days is one of those like thresholds. Um, one kind of trick that I've seen is sometimes it's hard to start like a completely new routine. But for example, I've seen dev teams kind of adapt some of the ceremonies that they're already doing today, like the stand-up or like the retrospective. So for example, hey, in the stand-up, let's talk about stuck work. Okay, that kind of fits, change our routine a little bit there. Or in the retrospective, let's make sure that we're looking at our cycle time and lead time. And that's kind of a way that I've seen work um, kind of uh, to incorporate new changes into an existing uh, routine. Now, um, we, we started doing ops reviews and each manager had to get up and present their own data, their own metrics in front of the group. And it was every month and having, and, and not just PowerPoint, right? But 
getting up there and presenting the actual data. I was terrified at first to do that, but I started presenting um, cycle time on how long builds took o- over month over month over month. It just started to become uh, a habit and learning how to do that. The thing that blew me away about doing that was be- because before I used to rant. Well, the reason builds take too long is because we don't have automated testing. Um, but when I, I, I realized ranting got me nowhere and presenting the data calmly <laughs> in front of a large group, you know, the whole engineering team, and they would bring in leadership. And, and one time the CTO was in there and it just blew me away. He, we got, we got budget. I got head count. But probably more importantly, you got empathy from the rest of the organization just by attempting to be the voice of reason and demonstrating through the flow metrics how long things were taking and being able to back that up with a why was a solid learning opportunity for everybody and really got us in the habit of continuing on to look at the data data-driven decision-making came to be. Thank you so much for sharing that uh, story. I think, you know, for our listeners out there, what it kind of shows is you can present these important metrics. They can become normal over time. You can get buy-in and we can uh, improve, you know, as an organization or a team. Um, Dominica, this has been an unbelievable and amazing conversation. Thank you so much for coming on our show today. If listeners want to connect with you or continue to learn about flow metrics and the other uh, topics that we've talked about today, uh, where could they go? Uh, so LinkedIn is a pretty good place. Uh, you know, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, also, there's like value stream management groups on LinkedIn. I mean, you can also reach me at TaskTop because that's where we do a lot of the workshops and there's a lot of information on value stream management out there and it's a new field. So feel free to learn about it. I think it might help you out. Awesome. So everyone feel free to hit up Dominica on uh, LinkedIn and be sure to check out some of that BSM information. Um, Of course, I also want to mention to join our Dev Interrupted Discord community. That's the place that we keep this type of conversation uh, going all week long. You can find all the links to the information that we just talked about in the description below. And everyone have a great weekend.